Give me warp in the factor of five, six, seven, eight. Hello and welcome to Discussing Trek. Today we are here to talk about the season four finale of Star Trek Lower Decks, Old Friends, New Planets. Like always, I'm your host Clarence and I'm joined by my fellow co-host Slash Trekkie, starting with none other than Kyle Jones. How are you doing today, man? You know what? I thought at first I was going to have a scheduling conflict, didn't have a scheduling conflict. Glad to be here with you guys. So happy to be here. Yeah, man. Glad you are here to talk this one out as well. We have Larry on the podcast. How you doing, Larry? Doing great. Awesome. Glad to have you here. And also glad to have everybody in the chat. I see Win Grace. I see Mem fan here as well. Thank you guys for joining. Yeah, let's let's just go ahead and get into it, man. Let's get into it. Star Trek Lower Decks Old Friends New Planets, where Mariner faces her past. This episode is written by May Darmon and directed by Bob Suarez. And, and let me just say, oh my God. <laughs> really really loved this episode. I almost can't hold it in. So before Clarence just spoils everything on this episode, let me say, if you have not seen the finale of this season for Lower Decks, put us on pause, go out, watch the episode, come back, because from this moment forward, spoilers. Spoilers. Red alert. All hands stand to battle station. What gives you the right? You cannot destroy an idea. That is before you spread. No, let them spoil the The spoiler warning has been dropped and we are back to review this episode. And like always, we go back to Mr. Jones for the beats of the episode. Sometimes serious, sometimes comedic. Honestly, you never know. Kyle, do you have anything for us? This week. Of course, absolutely. It's finale. How could I not? So for this one, I'm going to say I ate a lot of crow and (laughs) I felt like this wasn't animated. This wasn't Lower Decks. This was Star Trek. I watched an episode I felt like of Star Trek proper in this finale. So that's my beats. Star Trek proper. Star Trek proper. Looks like Cal has been sold. Larry, high level thoughts of this episode have some really, really great things to say, only have one negative thing. And it's nothing serious. It's just something in my own head canon is hard for me to resolve. Okay, well, make sure you keep that negative item at the ready. We'll definitely come back around and see what that is. But let me just say, man, I think Lord Dex has won me over. And we keep saying this, but this, this has been one of the best seasons of Star Trek I've seen in a while, you know, and I've seen some good ones lately, but going from the slapsticky juvenile humor of the first few seasons to redirecting it into these characters growing up, us touching history, Star Trek history in a more profound way. I I just, I just love this season. And uh, I feel so weird saying that I really do. (laughs) All right. So I'm going to throw another piece of profoundness into the proverbial pot i would put this episode up next to any episode of series three or series four of discovery oh yeah absolutely without a doubt i would and it's something about when they go back and touch things of the past but you know again touch it in a way that's not really just for a giggle for a laugh but but really digging deep and um taking the lore further which which is what they did here Comment from Mim Fam saying that. So glad to see Kyle came around on Lord Dicks. 
I truly love this show. And I think I do, too, at this point. (laughs) Guys, guys, let's just get into it. We start the episode with a flashback. This is the type of stuff I love. And and Larry, I'm going to go to you, uh, our, our TNG specialist. Uh, how do you feel about seeing this flashback? And I know it's a part of the lore that you've actually went further on in the beta canon in the books. But but how do you feel about coming back to this? And, you know, something I've wanted from the beginning, seeing a side of something that we didn't see previously. What did you think about this this Starfleet Academy flashback? Number one, First Duty is one of my favorite episodes of TNG. I enjoyed seeing the Nova Squad together. I don't know why. Maybe because they didn't get the actress to play who played Jean to come back. Maybe that is it, or maybe they couldn't even get in touch with her. But other than that, I really didn't have. I loved seeing Nick Lacarno, Cito mm-hmm. Jack is. Like for a character that had so little screen time in Star Trek, she made a massive impression on me. And uh, to be quite honest, I, in my own head canon, I always imagined Nick Lacarno. I swear to both of you, I would not lie. <laughs> in my head canon, I always imagined that Nick would come back one day and maybe be Wesley's arch enemy. I mean, because who is mm. your arch enemy? than someone who was a friend. Any thoughts, Kyle? No, but I, I will add something to what Larry just said. You go back to, into any literature and you look at the best nemesis and you know the counter of two characters, they always start with a commonality of something. You look, you know, most notably look at Marvel Comics with Magneto Xavier, look at Dr. Doom, Reed Richards. They all have some type of commonality amongst them. So you're spot on, Larry, in what you're saying. And it's so interesting just to see the genesis of the the Kavart Starburst and how they were. And you, you see this in a lot of uh, coming of age tele, uh, movies, television shows where they want to make their mark on their high school as they go, you know, go about going to college and they want to leave their mark. They want to become a legend. <laughs> And that's, you know, that's what we got here. We got a look at the inception of kind of this idea that we're going to become legends. We're going to do something that hasn't been done before. We had got all the voice actors back, as you mentioned, Larry. Uh, Joshua Albert, I don't, he he wasn't in the original First Duty at all. First time we've ever seen him live animated first time. Yeah. And I think the actor here is unnamed. Unless somebody may enlighten us, if you're in the chat, if you know who voiced this character in this episode. But but like you said, we didn't have Gene in this episode. What do we think about seeing Baby Mariner, <laughs> Cadet Mariner, Giddy Mariner, Green Mariner in this episode? I enjoyed it because <laughs> I thought, you know, there was a point in time she everybody started out, you know, at the academy unless you were just straight enlisted. But you started out to where you were that young kid. You were that, you know, remember what Riker said, you know, he's like doing the whole thing with his ship. You know, I was fresh out of the academy and my head was still ringing with all the rules and regulations. And doesn't this go back to something I think maybe we said last week, which was this is where good writing goes back and layers something in on what we've already seen. I think it would have been a mistake if they would have shown Mariner with the same, I won't say arrogant, but the same 
pushback on authority that we saw, especially in season one and two. But seeing her as such a bright-eyed and positive and go-getting makes you realize, hey, something happened. And we know what that is now, but it Mm -hmm. it just is great character development. It it definitely has a lot of gravitas to her entire arc. You know, we see the the giddiness. We see her be jaded and turn into this almost insufferable character by the time Lower Decks start. And we see her start to step back by the end of this episode and really embrace Starfleet, which I think from the beginning of this show, we've seen she's been kind of, I'm here, but I don't really care. I don't, Starfleet is mm-hmm. is an organization I like, but you know they've made some mistakes, but she's learned how to deal with those mistakes by the time we get to this episode. So I love that eagerness of seeing Cadet Mariner there. I want to come back to a comment that Wingrace made saying, this flashback gives me a small hope for Starfleet Academy. Just go ahead and set it here. I kind of agree with that. I think this episode actually made me want them to just do a slightly more serious animated show. And even you can even have Mike McMahon running it, but just a slightly more serious animated show and go fill in some gaps. It made me think of the Disney Plus show Tales of the Jedi, where Mm -hmm. with that, we basically got the backstory for Ahsoka. We got some Dooku. We got some uh, Qui-Gon Jinn. You know, we got backstory for all those characters and they can just go in and go ham. Just just fill in the gaps of everything we think we know, but we just need a little more explanation. They can they could really extend and, and, and fill in a lot of gaps. Maybe stuff that's been filled in in beta canon already, but, you know, bring it in proper with, with an animated show. We can bring in the voice actors, too, as well. It could be really special if they they double down on it. So let's talk about Nova Fleet. Nick Locarno's motive. The guy's jaded. <laughs> well, I'm going out on the hand here. I'm telling you, I've written this episode before. <laughs> Only instead of Mariner, you would have Wesley. And I, that was always my head cat, is that one day until they did the whole traveler thing and then they stuck with it, which I've never been a fan of. You guys know that. That would have been the perfect, like, Oh my God, you know, you've got the career I should have had. Like, say, Wesley's a famous captain. It's like, you got mm-hmm. the career I should have had. I only lost my career because of you. Yeah. You know, you're setting up that. And that's kind of what they went with here. I was like, <laughs> was somebody, you know, looking at my notes or something? But it was so good in the fact of just number one, you know, Robert Duncan, Neil. Uh-oh. Uh, Excellent know, job, man. He he's, know, he showed out. <laughs> I, I I even throw this trivia out there. You know, the first movie I ever saw him in? My first one was Masters of the Universe. Thank you, sir. <laughs> Me too. Him and Courtney Cox, I believe. I was going to say, I didn't realize that was him because I've seen yeah, that. Courtney I actually saw Cox. that in theaters. Yeah, that wasn't until I was probably the third year of Voyager before I realized, holy crap, that's the same guy yeah. from Masters of the Universe. But just to have him back, to me, a legendary star and a phenomenal director in his own right. Oh, yeah. It was it, it was perfect. Like, I, there was nothing I could have written that any better. So, Kyle, Nova Fleet, we have a, a, a totally independent, unaligned fleet in the Alpha Quadrant. But that's never been done before. Well, let me ask you this. What do you feel about this whole reference? They kept saying 
Oh, he looks a lot like Tom Paris. Oh, I love that. I, you, I, it did, worked. You like that? I actually like that I because they it. did it in a way to where it, it, you know, I think it would have been a little bit too much if you had somebody walking up to him saying, "You look like Tom Paris." But it was, it was a joke, but it wasn't impacting. And maybe it's just that it's gotten to where that that might would have three years ago pissed me off, but it's gotten to where I'm okay with it now because the overall is so much better. But I actually like that. I loved it. I, and I'll tell you why. Because we've all, like I said, we've all had our theories. And we all know, and obviously in the real world, it's the same actor playing two different roles, which has happened on Star Trek. God only knows how many times we've yeah. had multiple actors pay multiple roles. I mean, James Cromwell, Zephyr Cochran is what he's most famous of, but he's played at least four different characters, you know, yeah. but you know, we always want to connect everything and go, um, yeah, I'll tell you, I did. That's his cousin. Yeah. Yeah. You said that last week. Yeah. Yeah. I said that's his cousin <laughs> to me, but just seeing him go through that whole thing of where, yeah, he looks like Tom Pratt. And everybody's like, oh, they had to do it. In the chat, Wingrace makes a very, very good point. He said, I really thought it would be Boilmer calling that out. And he loved that it went with Rutherford. And I totally agree with that. Maybe that's what helped it mm. maybe sell it a little bit better. Because that does sound like something Boilmer would have done, but not something Rutherford maybe would have done. And maybe that's why it sold better. I, I agree with you on that, Kyle. I think if Boimler had done it, it would have been. And the fact that he's such a Tom Paris fanboy anyway, it made sense for somebody else to say it. Say, doesn't he look like he, they've got the same face? Nah, I don't see it. Yeah, and I'm going to give a quick shout out to the podcast. I said last week that I remember hearing on the Delta Flyers podcast that Robert Duncan Neal was talking about his casting and that they wanted a Nick Lacarno type. But actually, Kyle, you and I heard that when we went to Pizzacon back in yes. 2018. Yes, we yes, We saw yes. Robert Duncan Neal and Robert Picardo. That's why that panel. sounded so familiar when you said that. Bingo. So I popped it in the feed. So if you're subscribed to the podcast, you can catch it on Spotify or whatever. If, if you're watching this video and haven't subscribed to the podcast, you can check that out over there. But let me pick up a few comments here. Uh, Rittany, nice to have you in the chat. Men fan is saying, agree with Kyle. Found that Tom Paris call out's funny. And so Rittany's saying the same thing. And Mim fan is saying, I listened to the other five podcast too. And props to Robert Duncan Neal because he gave zero reference to a surprise appearance on Lower Deck. Yes. How do you keep that a secret? And come on, we need some Gary Wong love now. Come on, you got to bring you got to bring Harry Kim back. We, we, we're not we're gonna, we're not even going there, Captain Kim. Man, if Captain you Kim. if you knew how sore a spot like to me, I'm already mad at Lower Decks for not going there. I I need some Captain Harry Kim. I need it. Mm, Prodigy season two, maybe. Mm, yeah, yeah. That's that's a good place for him to pop up because that's farther in the future. Tasha explained it to me. And then somebody else was talking about, I get the age thing. Mm -hmm. I'm not totally sold on it because Meredith's like, well, you're a little bit older than them. You're like uh, quite a few years older than them, than your friends. So I loved Beckett's Rebellion. And this is where we really get to see Mariner just take all of this, I don't say rage, but all of the feelings she had of of Sito and, and the rebellion that she had and just kind of push it into something positive. And we had 
uh, Nick Lacarno with this whole Detron system thing and the Trinar shielding, which reminded me of the the uh, Tholian web a little bit, but mm. but the Trinar shielding. And she just like, this is like the best. And I'll say this for every character in Lower Decks. I think this episode was the best version of all these characters that we've seen. And when I say best, I mean more in the sense of if you look at any of the Star Trek show and look at these characters, this is how you expect them to be acting. I mean, down the line, all of them just really was the best version of themselves. And I loved it. What do we think about the, the maybe the slightly less interesting part of this episode? And that's the Freeman arc where she takes matters into her own hands and and says she's, she's going to defy orders. Mm, I think they tried to make it feel like it was this big, grand thing. But one thing that they did when she makes her decision to defy orders, I love the fact that the father really didn't say anything, but you saw the father and you knew that who the two characters that were on the three-way call with the other you know Starfleet person mm-hmm. are both of Mariner's parents. I thought that that was a real cool callback, but doesn't she do the same thing that any enterprise captain does anyway? You know, they break all the rules and they get away with it because at the end it helps out Starfleet and it accomplished Starfleet's goal in some way. You know, that happens TNG, that happens TOS, that happens enterprise, all of that. It, it's the same thing. So I think she just lined up being a Starfleet captain. Larry, was this a classic move to to say, if you're not alone with this plan, uh, note your objections now. <laughs> I love what they do. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. She's getting that. They, they straight copying off a of nemesis on that one. But you know what? The, the thing was, I actually, I just, I enjoyed Freeman. Like when we watched um, the um, Ready Room mm-hmm. and got to see her in there, her and uh, Jerry, it was so good because Don Lewis is a treasure. I mean, you know, I've watched her ever since A Different World. And then, of course, her and Jack Quaid also got the co-star on The Boys, you know, because he said, I got to work with this beautiful woman twice. And, man, she brings it as as Freeman, man. She yeah. really does. Well, I didn't even know she was on The Boys. I didn't know Ooh, she was either. She had, she had one scene. I don't want to spoil it for anybody, but she had one episode where she was on The Boys and Actually, her and uh, Jack's character, Huey, interact, actually. Mm. And Jack Quaid, man. He's Superman. He's Boimler. He's on the boys. This dude is in everything. Yeah, I didn't even know about the Superman thing. I was looking up the other day, and I was like, oh, well, dang. He's a good Superman, actually. Of course, he plays the Clark Kent part very well, you would imagine. But yeah, I love the whole Orion thing. I thought it was fun. Maybe not as interesting, but I thought it was fun because it, it's all callbacks to everything they built upon this season. We went back and saw the Erica, Tindy making a barter. Now, I did find it maybe a little. I, I don't like that they put the ship on the line that easily, but they had to to save uh, Mariners. You know, it happens. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Tindy puts herself on the line and unfortunately, no Tindy on the Cerritos for a while, maybe. So that was pretty, pretty sad to see. Or is that setting up season five? I think so. I mean, just again, this show that I thought was just crazy and ambivalent at the very beginning of the, of the run, pulling in my heartstrings by the end, where we get that shot of Tindy just looking out the aft window. I just like, 
really? They're making me care about this thing. They really are. So I want to give a real shout out before a shout out before I forget it, because if I don't, I am going to forget it. I know he listens to this podcast and he is a big fan of Lower Decks. So let me just say to my friend, David S. Deer, you were right. Hands down, <laughs> you were right. Let's let's pick up a few comments real quick before we go on. Mim fan is saying, I feel like the defying orders and having everyone agree to risk their careers with her was a funny poke at tropes we see in every series. Absolutely. Good to see you, Marge. Love Captain Freeman and Don Lewis. Yes, she is. She is great. I haven't seen the ready room. So so you mentioned the ready room, Larry, and Marge is saying Paramount posted a nice tribute to Captain Freeman. Was there any tidbits in the ready room that we didn't garner maybe in the episode that was really interesting or was it just good to see the characters come back and talk about the season? They did touch on something. They they touched on, um, it was actually with Jerry about how he played Ransom differently. How Ransom was just this meathead that didn't know nothing about nothing. And he said, and then he says, but I'm that guy when he said, Mariner, I'm not going to let you fail. Mm. I refuse to allow you to fail. And and that was a big deal because and you can tell that he took that seriously. The the change Jack's way that he wants to see Mariner succeed, not because she's his commanding officer's daughter, but just because he thinks she's actually will make a great Starfleet officer if she's properly motivated. So let me pose this out, and this has nothing to do with this particular episode, but this is more of a thought for the series overall. Maybe we needed season one and season two of such idiotic tendencies with the characters to then be able to appreciate the growth that we're seeing now, because maybe it wouldn't feel like such a big growth if they were cookie cutter, no pun intended, of Star Trek, Federation, Starfleet characters, maybe we needed to see them so far into left field that when they come back home, that it actually feels like they've done something. Yeah, I get that. They're still doing the comedy, but they are definitely heading in a more dramatic way with the storytelling. Yeah, and it could be them just finding their legs. I mean, we talk and talk about how in the beginning, most Star Trek shows are not that great or people don't think they're as great the first few seasons. Yeah, I think they're just finding their legs. And if this was the goal the whole time, which I think we've heard that Mike McMahon has said as such, this was the goal. Uh, it just took them a little while to get there. But, you know, I still think we can still appreciate both sides where they are now and also the growth over, over the few seasons. But it seemed like this season, they just grew. <laughs> seemed like they grew none for three seasons. And then this season is like, wham. On warp speed here. Acting Captain Bradward Boimler. Cal Boimler finally gets to be captain of the Cerritos. Acting captain anyway. How did you feel he uh, was in this role as acting captain? They played it awesome. They did an awesome job from the way he was sitting in the chair to that way he fluctuated his voice mannerisms a little bit, even to the animated part to when he's standing up with that Captain Stance. Loved all of it. <laughs> Actually, I'll, I'll go ahead and say it. That little section right there, I think, was my favorite part of the episode. Oh, really? Wow. Larry, Captain Boimler. Oh, my God. It was about time. And you know what? And, and you know what? They was so great because they really let Jack 
go off in that air. And it didn't look silly. It didn't look silly at all. He he was in charge. Oh, yeah. Now, we did laugh because there were multiple other people there who outranked him. <laughs> that you know <laughs> She could have left in charge. But, you know, I'm going with it. I'm rolling with it. All those weeks, months in the holodeck paid off. <laughs> it was good fun. I love their strategy to break this Trinar shield, which is using this dud of an Orion destroyer as a battering ram and sending in the captain's yacht, which we don't often see in Star Trek in action anyway. So yeah, I thought that was pretty fun. Uh, let's talk about the end game. So I, I found it funny that I guess part of this independent coalition was to not have anybody in charge. And that's what kind of was the downfall at the very end. But I love how when Nick Locarno is really laying it on thick about how Marino would be so great for the the Nova fleet and how she doesn't supposedly like authority. And he's talking about how bad Starfleet is. We finally see Mariner take up for Starfleet and, Mm -hmm. and making a point that we make a lot of time when we're talking about Star Trek or Starfleet in general, you know, you know, they break order. Sometimes they make mistakes, but they're trying to do the right thing. Any thoughts on this in the end game of the episode here. And we can even talk about the, um, as Mariner called it, the, uh, the, the GD, the Genesis device. <laughs> so, so, so let me say this in, in regards to Mariner and the opposing view per se. You know, it's it's different for him looking at it from an assumption. He looked at her assuming what her motivations were. He looked at her actions, not her motivations. And I think that is what made her be such a spotlight of, the sh- of this particular episode was mm. you had two people doing similar things, but with completely 180 degree motivation. And then so it just made hers make sense because his was not motivated out of just a rebellion. His was literally rebellion for his himself, yeah. not rebellion for whatever external thing that was going on with her. Does that make sense? I think so. Yeah. I mean, I just, I just love her having a rebuttal to each and everything that Nick LaCarno tried to say about the situation. Starfleet allowed Cito to get killed. You know, you know, what about her life? It's just a waste. And she's no, it's not a waste. They're trying to do what's right. And, you know, I think that's, that's what we all kind of love about Starfleet, I think. So, and, and even, even for Mariner trying to save him at the end, you know, she was pleading to save him. And of course he was, he was thwarted by a, a paywall on the, the GD. So <laughs> I thought that was funny asking for, for Stitzel Latinum. That was pretty, pretty hilarious. But uh, let me ask you, Larry, didn't in the end, Nick Lacarno did become legendary, right? He did fulfill his goal. All right. So you wanted me to go back to my, this eventually. I did not like, this is like my only dislike. I did not like that they let Nick Lacarno die. Didn't like it. Hmm. Because to me, Nick could have been redeemed and could have showed him the error of his ways. That would have been great for Mariner to say, Nick, I know you're hurt and I know you've lost a lot. I, you know, she could even mention, you know, I know you don't see Gene. I know Cito died and I know Wesley's gone away and you lost Josh. But <laughs> Nick, there are still people who care about you yeah. and brought him back into the fold. And so I didn't think it was cool. I didn't. I, that was the only part of this entire episode that turned me off. I just don't think they would let Nick just die. 
So for everyone listening, I'm saying it right now. And for these uh, Lower Decks writers, if you're listening, I'm saying it right now. Would it not be cool if next season we've got a new M-Class planet that they go down onto the planet and the planet is populated by Nick Lacarnos? <laughs> Wait, we're not gonna do this. We're not gonna do the Spock thing all over again. That's what I was gonna say. You <laughs> well, they, they've already said that his DNA was used did. in that planet. So, just saying, it might be the best opportunity we have to have a planet with a godlike figure. You know, where somebody defy, uh, survives, he's like the god of the planet. That is true because it is Star Trek. So, it's like, literally anything can happen. And I, I agree with Marge here. He got his starburst. I thought about that when we got the Genesis device explosion. I was like, oh man, he finally, he finally completed his goal. Yeah, but very sad to see him die, though. I didn't expect that at all. Yeah, because I, I just think it would have been a redemption arc for Nick. You know. Yeah. Mm. Nick maybe thought the story had had run its course. You know, how much more can you do with that? So maybe maybe it makes makes sense that this is a fitting in for for the character for for Robert Duncan McNeil, and maybe and maybe we'll see Tom Paris come back in the future. Well, let me say this, and then and then we'll you know I'll stop on the death thing. But I have read comic books enough, watched soap operas enough, watched sci-fi enough over the years to know if I haven't seen a body, doesn't mean they're actually dead. <laughs> And even if you've seen a body, doesn't mean they're actually dead. Yeah. And I think because I've been wanting to see you, you, this season of Lower Decks and also the last season of Picard, I'm one of those old timers, man. Bro, uh, do something with all these characters you got yeah. sitting around. So it, I love the fact that they're bringing in characters who weren't maybe main cast members but that we saw in an episode once or whatever. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, I love Tasha's comment here, and it makes a lot of sense. We've already seen Robbie McNeil play the redeemed bad boy. That's been done before. That's, <laughs> so we don't need to do it again. Wingers is coming here as well, saying that maybe evil Boimler in Section 31 beamed them out at the last moment. Hmm. Hmm, bum, maybe. Bum, bum. And then March says here, do we know other character Gene Hajar did not return. I really don't know. I need to research that. It it seemed like it made sense for them to bring her in as well, even if she was just there. You know, she didn't really have to speak. So it was a little weird choice to not show her at all. Well, like I said, that was the actress. I think she's still. She's portrayed by Walker Brandt. So I don't know what that actor is doing right now. Or I mean, voice acting. I'm I mean, pretty, it's not. I'm pretty sure. I think the last thing I heard about it. She was no longer, she had retired from uh, acting. The last thing that I at least saw on her. Uh, Talyn gets a call from her captain, which she ignores. She's found her new family. Yay, Talyn, for the next season. We need her because she's awesome. And, you know, we talked about it earlier, Tindy making her sacrifice. I want to say that I hated the Samuel Clemens thing, the the uh, the Mark Twain thing. They could have left it out. They could have, I mean, it's, it's it gets on my nerves yeah, at this point. They, they went back and I, I enjoyed seeing Livick, though. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. It was cool Livick. to see him come back. And again, playing on stuff we've seen earlier in the season. So from that point of view, for wrapping it around, callback, yeah, it was a good thing to see all of that. But yeah, also, I, I just hated it before. So, you know, whatever. Uh, I love the additional rules of acquisition we got. In particular, I love the one shoot first, count profits later. I thought that was amazing. And another thing that I thought was really 
like um, something they didn't explain that well is all the ships were getting destroyed, but not destroyed because we've seen actual debris in some of the episodes. And in the preview for the episode, they even showed some of the debris. So I'm like, so did some of them get destroyed and not all of them? I don't know. This this felt like a loose end to me. To be honest, that was kind of the sloppiest part of the show with all the ships because it was almost like the whole thing of having the fleet kind of went out the door a little bit. And then it just became about Locarno and Mariner. Yeah. You know, which is, you know, fine by me. Well, he was calling on all lower deckers to join his independent fleet. <laughs> oh, and I will agree with Tosh here. I miss Boothby. I wish we would have saw him just in the background or something. That's the best that opportunity. Yeah. And with that, guys, I think we can go ahead and give ratings for the episode. I'll also shout out to anybody in the chat. Please let us know how you would rate this episode as well. And Cal, if you'd like to go first. I'm going to go with five Captain Stances out of five. What about you, Larry? How would you rate this episode, sir? I'm going to go with a uh, 4.9. What? What? Mm, striving for perfection. Because I I tried not to just give stuff fives. This was awesome. This was solid. This gives a five for me just because it's my favorite Lower Decks episode, hands down. And I've given fives before, so this has to be a five. So for me, this is going to be five out of five Orion Destroyers. Let's pick up some of the comments, see what the people in the chat are rating this. We have five out of five battering rams from Marge. Oh, she's with me on the Orion Destroyers. Okay, I like it. I like it. I like it. From Tasha, we have five out of five Rathacon homages. Did we get? Oh, yeah. The yeah, yeah, yeah. The um, the, the GD. Yeah. Okay. And we have Easy Five from Memfan. Awesome as well. When Grace gives this 4.9. Okay, he's with you, Larry, because it was a sliver less than the prior episode. And from Retney, we get a 4.5 out of 5. So, guys, I'm loving your your uh, ratings here. Pretty awesome. And I want to say just thanks to each and every one of you who have been, that have been with us this season, as, as well as Strange New Worlds this this year. So that's two two seasons we made it through <laughs> somehow, some way. So um, I appreciate all you guys being here. Marge just saying, will we do a season wrap up? I don't know. I don't know. We have to uh, get in the huddle and see what we're going to do the next episode. But I'll try to post it on social media. So if you're not following us on at Discussing Trek on any and all social medias, or, you know, you can send us uh, feedback into feedback at DiscussingTrek.com if you have anything you want us to cover. All right. And with that, guys, do you have anything else? Kyle, you have anything on the plug before we kind of wrap things up? Uh, I will say if you're a fan of Doctor Who, check out Discussing Who at DiscussingWho.com as we march ever so fast to 60, 60th anniversary. Yes. Awesome. Larry, anything? Oh, I'm just exactly what he said. I just want to say this was a really good season of Lower Deck. And I think us reviewing those episodes together gave everybody more perspective on it. I think, you know, because I'm glad to see you guys come around on it. I've loved Lower Decks, but I do admit it has grown and it has changed and it's been for the better. Totally agreed. Yeah, I've enjoyed the season thoroughly, man. I really loved it. And we don't quite know, again, we don't quite know what we're reviewing next week, but again, we'll try to post it and hopefully we'll get to see you guys in there as well. So 
And I don't even when is when is uh, Discovery coming? Do we know yet? Sometime early next year. We yeah, haven't got a definitive date. They didn't date. give a hard date yet. It'll be next year before we know it. It will. So it will. All right, guys, we're going to wrap right there. Thank you all for joining. We appreciate it. And until next time, guys, live long and prosper. Thanks for listening to the Discussing Trek podcast. For more information, go to discussingtrek.com slash subscribe. been listening to the discussing network find out more at discussingnetwork.com